There's no clear picture of the Premier League title race so far this season. Liverpool on the top of the standings are only six points above the fifth, Tottenham Hotspur. The second is Aston Villa instead of Manchester City, which have played one fewer game. Arsenal again crumble before the final sprint for the throne, and this time earlier than usual. Welcome back to CGTN Sports Talk. I am your host Li Xiang, and I'm glad to be joined by my colleague Josh here. Great to be back. So, as a someone from you know Liverpool,、mm-hmm. do you think Liverpool are in the good place now in the Premier League? They definitely seem to be in the pole position for it.、Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you do mention I'm from Liverpool, but I'm a blue, so I don't follow it all too closely.、Yeah. But they are very much. They are in that Liverpool position, at least under Klopp,、mm-hmm. where it feels like you can't count them out at all. Like,、um, and to be honest, I think that's for the best and for the worst. Like there was that game against Fulham a few weeks ago, which、oh, I believe、yeah. had the latest ever winner、mm-hmm. that that they had, and they just seem to always get it over the line. Like there's this belief which you hear, and you hear it time and time again, which is there is just something about Anfield where. It feels like anything can happen. You can never count、um, Liverpool out when they're there, and I feel like this year they're really exploiting that to the maximum. Especially because, as we'll get into, compared to previous years where it's been a two-horse race, it's City versus someone.、Yeah. Go back to the nineties, it's United versus someone. This is one of the first few years where it feels like a three, four, five-horse race, but each team is dealing with its weaknesses. Like、mm-hmm. the thing with、um, Liverpool is. On the one hand, it does always feel like something can happen in one of their games. Something can always come out of it. But the problem is when they're up against a side like Fulham, they should be putting them away much faster.、Mm-hmm. But they're not because it's simply not working in certain certain places. Like, for example, the one that stands out was Darwin Nunes. Who, yeah. For me, he's one of the most exciting players to watch. I love seeing him play. I love seeing him get the ball. But part of that thrill is as a neutral, I know for a fact. Anything could happen when he gets it because the typical style of play with Darwin Nunes is the ball gets played through. He jumps onto it super quick, but his first touch will knock it in any direction, and he、mm-hmm. has to recover. And we never know if he's going to score, blast it over the top, get tackled. There's always something. So while he keeps it alive, so for example, he's playing in number nine. I mean, I think he literally is the number nine. Yeah, you're meant to be more central, more clinical. So Roberto Firmino go.、Mm-hmm. Further back to someone like Fernando Torres, it's always been the position that is meant to be the designated goal scorer, and quite simply, he isn't good enough for that position.、Mm-hmm. I don't think he's not very efficient. He's like you know when he joined the team, I remember seeing him referred to as like a diamond in the rough. He has all the、yeah. talent. This is Jurgen Klopp to f- finish him into something better. I still think he can,、mm-hmm. but this year with it being so open. If he was already that finished product, they'd be miles ahead. Whereas right now, they are in the top position, like you say. I think they'll probably be there or thereabouts. But if they had someone better or more clinical than him up front, it would be a much different story. True. I mean, they're Liverpool now on the top because they have Darwin Nunes, but、mm-hmm. they can be further ahead, like you said, if he can be better. But unfortunately, he's not that better now. Especially because、yeah. the way Klopp likes to set up his team, it's a front three. True. And it isn't a case of it's three individual players; they all play off each other. And you have Mo Salah out on the right, who is still their best attacker in that position. But when、um, you see、uh, Nunes struggling, or you see, say, Diogo Jota not really working as you'd expect, what happens with Salah is he tries to do all by himself,、mm-hmm. and that's when bad things happen. Because as we've seen with Salah. You can kind of tell how his game will be in the opening few moments, and、yeah. if he's forcing it and he's scuffing shots, 
well, he's going to be doing that all game mm-hmm. and that is setting Liverpool backwards. When he was playing with Sadio Mane and Roberto Firmino, they would be at least consistent enough to take the edge off or he would at least be able to overlap with one of them and figure something else out. So a lot of times he feels like he's forcing his way, being the guy carrying the rest of the team. And when you are in the top of the table like that, it simply can't be done. Yeah, I think sometimes he should, again, I appreciate him as a player, but he should be remembering he's playing for Liverpool, Mm -hmm. where he has a lot of star teammates, instead of he's playing for Egypt, where he is the biggest star. And he just has to sometimes stop and think, maybe I shouldn't do this all by myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Before this season started, I thought about, you know, the possible scenarios of Dark Horses, you Mm -hmm. know, Newcastle, which I have already ruled them out after (laughs) recent losses, and maybe Tottenham and Ham, mm-hmm. they have always been an X factor, but I never saw Aston Villa come so high on the table. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I completely agree. When you say about Dark Horses, Newcastle, exactly, yeah. I was thinking, having discussed it so many times on this podcast with you in general, I thought, okay, Manchester United surely will get things together. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, with Aston Villa, I was expecting them to be, let's say, 7th, 8th, competing for the um, European Conference League with, say, a West Ham or someone, being second place Mm -hmm. is absolutely remarkable. And, you know, for a long time, I've rated Unai Emery quite highly. I think that him going to Arsenal, Poison Chalice, it was the problems that were keeping holding Arsene Wenger back Mm -hmm. were going to hold back anyone at that time. And then PSG, like we've talked about a million times, doesn't really matter. But here he is with a team like Aston Villa, Doing exceptionally well with basically the same team Steven Gerrard had, who and they were based on the veg relegation mm. when he left. And then not only is he, you know, like like we were saying, not just mid table keeping them safe, they're in the second place spot. And you look at the way that their season has played out. Okay, they lost to Newcastle on the opening day. They lost that three two against Manchester United. But it really reminds me of when Leicester won the league, where. Mm-hmm. They just played solid, consistent football. They were solid at the back. They had a good goal scorer up front. That was Jamie Vardy. In this case, it's Ollie Watkins. They got the points they needed against the teams they should beat. And then when they came up against the bigger teams, in this case with Villa, the Arsenals of the world, they can go out there and play this very compact, concise, direct football, which can get results against a more expansive team. And I'm not going to tell you they're going to win the league. Mm. But when I look at the weaknesses that Liverpool have, that Arsenal have, that the other teams we're going to talk about have, I would definitely say without a shadow of a doubt, this team can finish top four. Mm-hmm. And if they can and get in and go into Europe, I would not be surprised if this is a real beginning to like a Unai Emery era, mm. which can hopefully turn this team from being... Nickname was used to be like mid-table mediocrity, going from that to being like a top contender. So it's like a new, small, but very solid rise of Aston Villa. I would say so, because Mm. you're seeing them, they aren't beating these bigger teams by luck. It isn't a case of like, uh, they're coming out with a B-team squad, they aren't taking it seriously, and they're getting nicked on the counter 1-0. He is outplaying these big teams when he gets the chance, because he is such a good manager at I don't, don't even know how to describe it because the game is often so simple. Mm-hmm. There's nothing flashy about it. Quite often it's a 4-4-2 formation with someone like John McGinn or Leon Bailey slightly further behind your typical goal scorer like Duran or like we're saying Ollie Watkins. Standard formation, nothing flashy, no Pep-style tactics or anything, and yet it's really working well. If they can build from this base, 
develop as probably the the mid the Midlands team mm-hmm. based based on where they are with Aston Villa. They're also becoming more famous worldwide because uh, UFC welterweight champion Leon Edwards is a fan. Yeah, he goes to the game, he takes the belt, he talks to the players, things like that. For me, this really feels like between what they're doing on the pitch, what they're doing off the pitch, like I say, with Leon Edwards, things like that. This really feels like the first time in a long time Mm -hmm. Aston Villa are a team worth talking about, and I think they really can excel. That's true. I mean, one thing I like this latest race of the title is that Usually, like you said at the beginning, there it's a two-horse race. Isn't only the big games matter, like United or City Liverpool or Liverpool Chelsea. And now people just kind of forget that this is a league.、Mm. Every team plays thirty-eight games in the season. Every game matters, especially、yep. those that are not so eye-catching matter. And Aston Villa got their wins out of those games, and that's why they're now second place. It's a marathon. It's not、yep. a sprint. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because that's the thing which reminds me so much of the Leicester season when they got to the top. Yes, all the other teams were struggling,、mm-hmm. but they were just consistent all the way through. And I remember it being a case of. Probably reached around this time, the Christmas,、uh, the Christmas period, where suddenly people realised, oh, look at where they are and look at what they've done. I feel like the same realisation is happening right now with Aston Villa.、Mm-hmm. And for City, I don't want to rule them out yet, though I'm not a big fan of City. But still, weird that they're now only third.、Um, I mean, if they win the extra game, they will be second. But still, they're not top yet.、Mm-hmm. And is there anything? Okay, this may be exaggeration. Is there anything wrong with the club now? It's it's weird because this happens occasionally with City and with Pep teams where they reach like the middle of the season、yeah. and they aren't at the top and people wonder what's going to happen, where will it go next? And if people remember last season, they were second to Arsenal right、True. the way through to the end, and they beat them in those two games back to back and to, went ahead. So for them, I think they go back to what you were just saying then about this is a league.、Mm-hmm. I don't think Pep gets flustered because. I don't think he views it in the way of like choke point big、yeah. games. He just views it week by week by week, constantly tinkering, constantly improving. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. We saw Bayern Munich; it didn't really work at、mm. all. They prefer the consistency. This Manchester City team—they are a bit more modular. Different players can slot in when necessary. The issue, I think, is he's a little too reliant this season on particular players, and with. The depth in, say, an Ilkay Gundogan、yeah. disappearing, you're really seeing a case of Rodri's missing. So the midfield doesn't work. Erling Haaland's missing. Suddenly they're not scoring the goals. So when you had Kevin De Bruyne out for such a long time,、mm-hmm. Rodri getting that suspension where I think he was out for like three games and they、yeah. lost two of them. You are in this position where you have this team that is player for player, man to man, when they are full strength, probably the best in the league.、Mm-hmm. But then the moments one person is missing, the moment it simply doesn't work out, there's gaps here, there, all over the place, and the thing which we've seen when that happens is the smaller teams who may have been okay, let's tighten things up, let's not get steamrolled. We can afford to have a one nil loss, two one loss. We'll take our licks and go back next week. Now they're thinking, okay, we can give them a game because、mm-hmm. if say Foden isn't there. Well, that leaves a bit of a gap in the right.、Definitely. We can exploit that. Go double on,、um, like like、uh, Oscar Bob, the new guy they've brought in, for example. Put the pressure on him because he's a new young player.、Mm-hmm. Double coverage, something like that. We can get something out of this. And if that maintains, you can very much see a scenario where they will drop more points, even if it's simply draws, where 
it's hard fought, it's not necessarily a loss, and those small margins will allow the other teams to get ahead. Mm -hmm. You know, it's ironically interesting because in the very next season after they won the Champions League, usually when that happens, we say, oh yeah, let's join them. They are the European champions. Mm -hmm. It's the opposite for City because they lost key players, multiple of them. And then they seem less motivated, like yeah. including Pep. It's like, we won it. So why do we care so much about every game? But instead of trying to build a dynasty, which is kind of a basketball term, they're mm -hmm. not satisfied with what they have achieved? Yeah. Shouldn't that, it be more ambitious? Exactly, because that, that's... I'm glad you mentioned that, because, like, in the NFL, mm -hmm. one of the biggest things is, like, the New England Patriots yeah. having that dynasty at the start. Winning it once, the Super Bowl, that's great. It's the pinnacle of the sport. But if you can rack together two, three, or four, well, then it, it goes from being you won the season to you won the era. Mm -hmm. If you are in a position like Manchester City, where you're known for being the noisy neighbors, the blue yeah. side of the city, you have this chance to become not only the defining team of the era, but the defining team of the era of the league, which is at this moment, the pinnacle of the sport. Mm -hmm. And yet, like you say, for some reason, once they got that treble, a lot of the energy, a lot of the will seemed to drop off. You know, you could look at the players who left, like I, I, I mentioned who's already gone, but like Joao Cancelo went to uh, Barcelona as well as Gundogan. Mm -hmm. um, Cole Palmer went to Chelsea. Riyad Mahrez left. All of these players left saying they wanted to try new things. Oh, yeah. Which is like... Fair enough if you are in the Lewandowski, I've been here for mm -hmm. 10 years and we won eight in a row. But when you've won a treble and you think, okay, now it's time to go somewhere else, it almost seems like for the remainder of the players, like what's in their mind? Mm -hmm. Is it just a case that they couldn't go? Because they don't seem particularly driven either. No. And you have Erling Haaland, who legitimately does seem to be trying to break his own record. Yeah. But breaking his own record isn't the same as playing for the team, mm -hmm. which a lot of the players around him simply aren't doing. So I can't really figure it out because all the pieces are there. Well, all the pieces are there. The depth isn't what it was last season, but the pieces in general are there. And yet, I don't know, I'm just not seeing the energy or the push to get through, which is what we see with Liverpool every week, or we see yeah. Villa every week. And I think that lack of energy might be the thing which ultimately cost City this season. That's true. Do you see the same energy in Arsenal, which crumbled earlier than usual? Yeah, that's this is a weird one. Because, like, almost in the inversion of what I was saying about um, Erling Haaland, where he's going out there and scoring all these goals, yeah. but you feel like it's a bit for himself. You have um, Kai Havertz in the middle. Oh, yeah. And I still can't figure out what it is he's supposed to be doing. No. But Arteta is so committed to his particular philosophy, his particular belief, that now it's reached the point where he is their centre-forward, not scoring goals, not really doing anything progressive, not really acting even as like a deflection point to allow someone else like Bukayo Saka or Gab Martinelli in. He's just kind of there taking up space. But you feel like it's Arteta pushing the issue to prove that he can do it. Oh, yeah. And that's the main issue here which is they don't really rotate their players much because he is very committed to this particular style of play mm -hmm. so you have players like Bukayo Saka, Martin Odegaard, Declan Rice in particular kind of a spine if you want to take your a spine that curves to the yeah. right but they're there every single game and they're fantastic at what they do but eventually the moment they lose a step the moment people realize this is where the ball is going the momentum of play there's no plan B to Arteta, no. and that's a real issue. 
And then the second of all is, like I say, with Havertz, the reason why he's in that position is they have no designated goal scorer. True. They have no centre forward. And now we're in this odd position where last year they overperformed. This year they are performing the same. And we are in this transfer window where it's looking like make or break for the rest of the season. Do they get a strike or not? Because if they don't and they don't have fresh legs up in the middle, where are they expecting to get goals from? Because that's been their issue in all these games they've lost. True. The game against Liverpool, the last one out, they dominated that first half. But there was no goals on the end of it. I want to say it was something like 13, 15 shots, something like yeah. that on goal. But it's coming from guys like Reese Nelson and perhaps even... Um, like I say, Leandro Trossard and Gab Martinelli, these players who are who are wingers, they're very progressive players, they're great at moving the ball, but there's just no commitment at the end, no, no, no central movement. Um, so you're in this odd position where you have this team that was so close to winning it last year, they were missing an integral piece, and instead of replacing that piece... They found the wrong piece. Exactly. And not only have they got the wrong piece, it's like if you're putting the square peg in the round hole... What Arteta is doing is just banging and banging and banging it to try and force it through instead of realizing, okay, it's not working, swap him out, do something else. Mm, I guess every successful manager has his own obsession. Mm -hmm. He doesn't want to admit he's wrong, and he just hopes that one day the player will crack it somehow to prove that he's right. Yeah, and that is a thing which I think we've mentioned before. Arteta sees a lot in him. Thomas Tuchel sees a lot in him. These guys are geniuses in terms of managerial terms. So part of me thinks, okay, they must know better than I do. Mm-hmm. But it isn't a case of like, oh, I can see the potential. It's I have no idea what they see True. to the point where it's almost Emperor's New Clothes. And if they stick on with that, and by they, I mean Arsenal, I think Havertz is going to be the reason why they don't win a title. Yeah, I mean, of course, like you said, they're all professional. They're all elite of the industry, but... They also they are also the ones who keep making mistakes, not yeah. just the two. Any, I mean, all of them. So we will respect their choices and their professional idea. Right. But let's just wait and see what actually figures mm-hmm. out. Uh, Tottenham. I I don't hold anything against the club except their owner. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. they're kind of like when you expect a lot from them like mm-hmm. they're not a small spender sometimes they spend a lot especially when Jose Mourinho was there mm-hmm. they didn't perform well when you don't expect anything from anything from them like this season they just seeming to be so surprisingly good with the same squad yeah like what happened yeah I think what happened is Ange Postacoglu yeah. who when he came in I remember people saying he has this philosophy they call it Ange Ball it's mm-hmm. very uh, attacking very fluid and that's exactly what Tottenham has kind of been known for in the past so he's a good fit but at the same time it's like well he's coming from the Australian League Yeah, just how good can he be but the thing which really stands out is his press conferences he's very honest he's very direct and he seems to be very focused in having these very personal connections to his players and I really feel like he's starting to unlock the talent that's there like it's taken a while but Richarlison is really becoming the number nine of this mm-hmm. team it's only a few games ago, but when he got into the swing of things, you could see he's making this connection with Son Hyung Min. The players are happy to see him. There's a smile on their face. He's really getting everyone working on the same page. The problem is, as with basically every team that plays this attacking forward football, we saw it with um, Marco Bielsa at Leeds. Mm. It's very tiring, and also it's all about moving in one direction. So you're in this position where. They are great at going forward, scoring these goals, great midfield play. 
But then at the back, you have Emerson Royale, Pedro Porro, particularly on the right, uh, Udogi. These players who are shipping goals. Mm. And that is really setting the team back. It's a really awkward situation where you're they're almost playing in this sense of, you know, to go back to what I was saying about the New England Patriots, they used to have this particular belief system of like, we don't care what our defense does because, you know, our offense will outscore the other yeah. position. That's fine when it's six points for a touchdown, three points for a field goal. But it's one, it's, point, it's for one, one point for one point for a goal. Yeah. You're going to have to bang in a lot of goals to have the advantage. And quite simply, that's not the case when you're in the Premier League and you're playing against the cream of the crop. Mm-hmm. So I do like this Tottenham squad. I do think they can get to Europe. But until, until Ange kind of does something with his back line... Um, gets Ben Davies perhaps he's great for the Welsh team but I don't know there's just something not something not really clicking here and it feels like what's not clicking is the whole point of uh, Ange defence is recycle the ball and immediately get back to say Giovanni Lo Celso or someone mm-hmm. to get the ball flowing again if they can show up their defence um, I'm never Tony so I say Sean Dyche style which is what helped turn our team around something like that can really get them to kick on back to the Pochettino days but as it stands, they are always going to be quite exciting for a neutral. And I think they're always going to be able to rack up points against the lower uh, the lower tier teams. But to really compete for the title, I think they're just lacking a bit more. To a killer instinct going forward, whatever yeah. the killer instinct is in defense, that's what they need. True. So final question. If you can make your predictions on which team wins the title mm-hmm. and which team will not appear in the Champions League. Because there are five of them. Mm, yeah. So I'm going to say Tottenham doesn't crack the Champions League. Same here. I think they are just too up and down. But even then, based on what they what the position they're in, I think they can go into the Europa League and win it. True. So I think it works out best if they don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ultimately the season gets to Villa and they finish fourth. I think, unfortunately, the inconsistency of Liverpool will make them third. Oh, I think Arsenal will settle for second and Manchester City, City will swoop it right at the end because that's the thing with a Pep Guardiola team. There's always a wobble in the middle, but they always come back at the end. And mm-hmm. he's so good at figuring things out mid-season that unless... Actually, the caveat here, if Arsenal get a good striker, I will put them first. True. If they can figure out the Havertz mystery, I'll put them first. But based on what I've seen in the past few seasons, I think it's just a case of Manchester City, they're going to get the points they're going to swim slowly mm. as the seasons as the weeks tick by move up to third move up to second then right when it's necessary move to first true I mean City are like because they have been missing Kevin De Bruyne for mm-hmm. so long basically the first half of the season yep. they're still only what three points behind mm-hmm. and now they have everyone back yep. they have this squad that once you pull it together they're just unstoppable right yeah I, I totally agree same prediction yeah. here yeah and I think it's that's all for today. Thank you for listening. Hopefully we'll be hearing from you guys very soon next week. See ya. Speak to you then. Bye-bye.